Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Thread audio only today. So excited to be here and very excited to have my father sitting right mm. across from me. Gee, that's, that's what Hunter Biden said on that uh, WhatsApp message that his father is sitting right next to him. Oh, is, so you, you're comparing me to Hunter Biden now? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself mm. to Joe Biden or you to Hunter Biden. You know, the question is whether his father was actually sitting there. You know, I guess we just jumped into a, ty- uh, a story. I mean, well, it's not really a story anymore, the Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, Obviously, one second. First of all, we, we were missed. I know yes. we had a little bit of a hiatus. Yes. Uh, we had like a winter a winter break of of the Daily Thread. But we're back with some episodes for you. And we hope to just speak about some of the news stories going on in the world. Hunter Biden is not one of them anymore. No, I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that comes and goes. You know, I'll tell you, I'm writing about a couple of interesting things this week, if you don't mind me. Bringing that up. Sure. What are you writing about? Okay. First of all, um, you know, Joe Biden's very upset at the Supreme Court in the United States because of they decided a lot of things that go exactly opposite of what his uh, philosophies are. For example, they said that affirmative action is unconstitutional. Okay. Well, what is affirmative action? Affirmative action means that uh, essentially when you're choosing uh, students to be accepted into a school or even people on a job that you have to give someone, let's say two people are equal candidates. The person that uh, is a minority, uh, or in this case, uh, black or Latino, uh, they get preference over Well, isn't that how bad person. things happen? Like, you know, this, the submarine going down, which is also an old story by now. We yeah. now know that Stockton Rush uh, didn't want to hire old white men because they weren't inspiring enough. So he had to hire uh, younger well, people yeah. who were not as experienced, and maybe maybe there was human error uh, involved. You know, I did read over this past weekend that he went down with a photographer, uh, and a lot of stuff. He went down, came right back up with a photographer a few months ago on a test run. Okay, and a lot of things were not working. Right, wasn't that the the person who said that they were stuck down there for five hours? I don't remember who it was, but he said that the photographer was, uh, you know. Wasn't very happy about the situation down there. The communication with the with the with the main ship was uh, interrupted, and uh, they just were like stuck for a little while. Right. And the guy was concerned. He said, "But Stockton Rush made made light of it." He said, "Listen, you know, no these things happen. It's not perfect. These things are uh, are imperfect." So listen, you go into a situation like that, you have to know. I think we discussed this in one of our last shows. Uh, you have to know that you're uh, taking your life in, in, yeah. into your own well, hands. But the interesting thing about Biden and the Supreme Court is that, you know, he's not inviting Benjamin Netanyahu to the White House because he doesn't like how the Netanyahu government wants to remake the judiciary in Israel. Hmm. So he's not happy with that kind of judiciary, and he's not happy with the Supreme Court here either. So uh, he's not happy with either. So um, I'm well, analyzing that. I'm analyzing that this week. But you know what, Nachi? You're very lucky because I haven't finished formulating it in my head. That's, I guess I'm very <laughs> lucky. And also, another thing I'm writing about this week, believe it or not, is uh, coming up in a couple of weeks is Jackie Mason's second yard site. And uh, <laughs> there's Yeshiva in Elizabeth, New Jersey being dedicated in his memory. No way. It's called Yeshiva Beis Yitzchuk. Yeah. And his name is Yitzchuk. Yeshiva is Rabbi Avi Shulman, who is uh, uh, Jackie's uh, nephew. And he comes from a very... Uh, so there's a yeshiva family. that's being named after Jackie Mason. I think we just found a title for this episode. That is really interesting. The, the yeshivas, I, I would call it Base Jackie. Base Jackie? Yeah. <laughs> but I want you to know that, you know, he was Jackie Mason, but everything you want to criticize about him, he was one of the connecting, uh, uh, connecting dots 
that uh, connects uh, the from community, the Jewish community, to the outside world. You know, uh, he was controversial, of course. He was, he, you know, I'll tell you one story about him, if you don't mind. It's very Please. funny. It's very funny. He 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 got smicha from Sifta Tavares Yerushalayim. Is that is that like uh, that's a, that's a very that's a reputable smicha. all his brothers. He has like four brothers. They all got smicha from uh, uh, from MTJ. Uh, I'm not going to say he got it from Rabbi Feinstein. Rabbi right. Feinstein was the head of the yeshiva, uh, and he was a classmate of Rabbi David Feinstein. I'm not equating Rabbi David Feinstein on the same uh, uh, level as as Jackie Mason, the Havdil. But um, I'm just saying that after he finished, after he got a smicha, he got two jobs as a rabbi. He got a job in um, in Pennsylvania, and he got another job uh, in uh, North Carolina. After the one in Pennsylvania didn't work out. And um, he said he saw that people didn't like his drushes so much, but they liked his jokes. So he said more and more people started coming to shul that were never in shul before. Really? He said then he noticed after a while, even non-Jews were coming to hear his, <laughs> hear his speeches because they were so funny. <laughs> he said that he thinks he was the rabbi of the shul, the biggest non-Jewish membership in, in the United States. You're telling me that's how his comedy <laughs> career And he, that's when he decided that... The rabbinate is not working out. He's going to go into comedy. No way. That, that's the story. That's what I heard. Is, from that, is that a true story? I heard that from his family. I didn't. I, okay. didn't, I don't have time to sit around making up stories just for your uh, podcast. You know. Yeah. I mean, this I actually spoke. Well, it's I your. Spoke. It's yours just as much as it's mine. Well, there's a, a newer story that's going on today. I was actually driving before, and I heard on CBS on the radio 880, right? Yeah. You were and that? Yeah. I, I wasn't. I, it was on. I don't know why, but they were saying. How Israel has killed—I forgot how many—Palestinians uh, eight, eight in Janine in, in yeah. operation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then in the word they, the way they worded it, I'm not, not going to get into whole like oh media bias, but they worded it as, and even I was like, that's a strange way to word something. Like, yeah. Israel, Israel uh, went on these operation as a preventative against future p- potential yeah. attacks. Okay, what's wrong with that? I mean, like. If I'm on the fence of if I'm supporting Israel or or the Palestinians, it's like you're attacking someone because they might attack you. Well, you know, if you read the, the news, you see that there was uh, the Israeli didn't just go in and look around to see attack and then ask questions. Well, later. they knew exactly what they were, they what they were doing. They knew that there's a, a a vast terrorist infrastructure that was based in Jenin. And, and now there's Israel. Now there's this just via she rolled this morning. Israel informed the U.S. About the genie, genie operation last week, so the U.S. knew about this, the yeah. Biden administration knew about this, um, and Israel promised that it would do everything it can to avoid harming innocent civilians. They said this morning in the CBS report that Israel texted the residents of this place to stay inside, and they texted the terrorists that they were coming for mm-hmm. to surrender themselves so they don't so they don't get killed. Yeah, yeah only Israel. No other country in the Israel world. It's things. unbelievable. You know, and they found stockpiles of weapons inside mosques. You know, hundreds and hundreds of that's weapons. Pretty, that's 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 pretty. Uh, it's very pretty brazen. It's very brazen. It's only only you know only people can do that is people that know that the world media is going to be on their side no matter what happens. That's the only people that can do something like that and get away with something like that. So here's so here's here's a, here's another story. And I don't even know if you know about this. This just broke a couple of hours ago. It says terror in Israel. B'nai Brak Avrech was lightly injured in a stabbing attack. The story's view. Shuvrold says. An Arab teen terrorist carried out a stabbing attack in Kiryat Herzog neighborhood of Bnei Brak early Monday evening. The victim, a 28-year-old Haredi Avrich, was evacuated to Mayane Hayeshua Hospital in light condition. 
Khazai Shemi managed to grab the knife as the Arab accosted him, avoiding serious injury. The terrorist, a 14-year-old resident of Janine, tried to flee the scene but was caught and arrested by the police. During his interrogation, he admitted to carrying out the attack as revenge for the IDF operation in Janine that was launched in the early hours of Monday morning. So, in, in just a matter of hours, you see the cause and effect. Cause and effect. Of course, Israel needs to go in there and take care of, of what they are prevent what they are doing is ultimately preventing a a, a Chas Shalom huge attack with the amount of weapons they had piled up. But then you have a 14-year-old who goes to Bnei Brak from Janine and tries to murder a, a Haredi fellow. Listen, Israel's not going in there to kill people. You know that's what the the world media would like you to think. They're going in there to stop uh, people from building an infrastructure that could kill innocent Jews. You know. We don't have to recount for people how many people have been innocently killed. Yeah, you know, three sets of brothers, uh, a mother. Uh, you know, so many people, and uh, and and so much time passes, and we just adjust to it emotionally and mentally. We adjust to it, uh, but the tragedy is uh, is is no less uh, than the, it was. The question I have for you though is how could how is this fourteen year old able to even go into Bnei Brak? How does it happen? I don't know. You know, the, Israel relies on Arab labor. Uh, also, uh, this is back to the Arab labor conversation. We also discussed this many times. He's a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, he's going not going in, in for yeah. labor. He should yeah, be in no, school. He couldn't listen. And also, they're taught from kindergarten on how to uh, how to hate Jews. And One second, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the in the technicals. This is a fourteen-year-old who walked into Bnei Brak with a knife. How did he get that far? How did he not? How, why was he not in school? Israel's 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 a Israel's a free country. People could go about their business freely as long as they are law-abiding, upstanding citizens. And that well, anybody, whether, can, anybody, whether you're, an Arab, whether you're an Arab or a Jew, does that mean anybody can go from Janine to Bnei Brak? Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently they don't have a they don't have a monitor bracelet on them saying that they're from uh, from Janine. But obviously, Israel has to clamp down more, and uh, hopefully, they'll be able to, if nothing else, besides eliminating some terrorists, hopefully they'll be able to get a message across that it's not worth. Uh, doing what the, what they're doing, but I feel, it's ongoing. Yeah. This is going on for decades. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say for more than more than fifty years, more than more than a half a century. I feel like summertime is when these things usually ramp up and take it to a whole new level. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. But I feel like every summer there's just something going on there. Listen, you know what? The planes going over the Israel are jammed. The airports are jammed, and uh, no one's stopping from going uh, for a week, for two weeks. Uh, uh, I think the NCSY program uh, that your uh, nephew uh, David is going on, uh, leaving tonight there to throw. I think there's like fifteen thousand kids going on different programs uh, for the summer that combines, you know, learning and uh, other activities. Uh, in the no, no one's holding their kids back from going because, yeah. on the other, you know, we've we've also discussed many times on this broadcast uh, about the the uh, the media highlights all the negative. Things about you know what what it is what it means to be in Israel, uh, but believe me, no one skips a beat. You know, statistically everything is 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 great, and the restaurants are jammed, and they'll be singing and dancing tonight yeah. in the Mamila Mall. Speak, um, speaking of of Israel and obviously all its wars and calamities, and Tebi, nineteen seventy six anniversary, yeah, July fourth. No, I'm right. I'm working on in, in, interviewing someone. Who yeah. uh, was on the operative was was a soldier. Oh yeah. Um, and on time he's still working on that. But do you what what do you recall 
it's so funny because I was working on this interview and I am like, you know, let me Google what time of year it took place. And I see July 4th, 1976. That's, right. that's, that's when right. the that's operation right. in Tebby took place. And that's when, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu was younger, younger brother, yes. older, younger, younger brother, brother Yoni, Yoni, Yoni Netanyahu was, yes. was killed. Yes. So, so. I guess, what do you remember from that day? Uh, I remember pretty clearly. I remember pretty clearly. I, I, was in, uh, I was in the Catskills with my friends. I wasn't married yet. You know, I was about, I think, 22, 23. And um, uh, I just remember following the story, you know, enjoying a weekend away, uh, uh, away, for, away from work at the time, uh, being with my friends in a hotel. I don't remember what hotel. The hotel's open and closed over there. But I remember following the story and then, you know, hearing that there was a, a spectacular raid and that the hostages were freed. Well, how long? How long had that plane? There was a there was a hijacked plane that was that was on the tarmac. Right. In was it Ghana? Where was it? No, it was Uganda. Uganda. And the president of Uganda was Idi Amin. A very flamboyant leadership. Yeah. His name was Idi Amin Dada, and you know, I I, I have to tell you that. Um, I uh, forget his name. You know, we don't prepare any of this. <laughs> so I forget his name, but he was a Knesset member. He lives in the Golan Heights. And he was in the cockpit of one of the planes, one of the C-130s that was transporting the troops. And they brought their own vehicles yeah. to Uganda. Okay. And they brought a replica limousine that Idi Amin, the president of Uganda, uses. And they... You know, uh, uh, and they looked like a presidential procession going to the airport. That he was going on some kind of trip, but it's really Israeli, Israeli commander. So the hijacker, the hijackers thought that the president of Uganda was and coming to anyway, to see them. I really, uh, I wish I could look up the guy's name, but he was in. He, I remember he he was a Balshuva, he was Jose Balshuva, he was uh, in the military. He was in the cockpit of one of the C one thirties. And his name's going to come to me at one at some point. Someone out there listening is going to yeah. Someone's screaming on top of their lungs, and they'll send, <laughs> they'll send you a text message. But he said, you know, the plan was to fly into the Ugandan airport in the middle of the night, and without they practiced landing without any lights because it was going to be in the middle of the night. So you know. But yeah. the noise, though, the noise wouldn't give it away. It was the lights that they had was the problem? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know where the airport I guess from inside of a plane, maybe you can't hear another I plane. I don't know where where the airport is located in Uganda. But uh, he said that he wasn't, he was a he was a Chiloni at the time. He wasn't a religious person. But he says uh, there wasn't a person on the entire uh, C 130 transport that carried the vehicles and the troops that didn't think that God was on their side that night somehow because he said. They were approaching the airport. They were a few, I don't know, 50, 100 miles out of the airport, he says. And uh, they had practice over and over again, landing in the dark, landing at night, staying on the runway. And he just said, off in the distance, he saw no other planes because it was the middle of the night. And they were shocked. The lights were on the runway. And they were able to land uh, on the runway. So someone, they, guided by lights. They left, the, the lights were just on. <laughs> Somebody forgot to turn the switch off before they left. Well, I want to meet that before guy. They, before they left. That I want to know who that is. <laughs> before they left that night. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the Ugandans weren't so pleased with that with that guy. Whoever Listen, left the lights you know, on. The, the couple so of they people. they landed the plane. The the cars came out from the plane. The Dude. hijackers of the plane of the of the of the flight, um, which had hundreds of people on it. Uh, I think about 105 people were on it. Uh, I know a couple of people died. Yeah. Because it was there for days, no? It's, and I don't, I don't know if it was days, but it's very important in a situation like that 
you know, to listen to the troops, what they say. And if someone someone jumps up, they're going to be shot and killed, unfortunately. There's one woman. Her name was Dora Block. I don't know why I remember her name, but she was an older woman. And she uh, she choked on some food. And uh, she had to be taken to a hospital in Uganda. Because one second. She choked during the raid? She was choked. No, while she was being held hostage, she was eating. Right. And she choked. So they had to take her to the hospital. And she died in the hospital because I think the... The Ugandans uh, killed them. So this is the, the facts of the attack. Were seven, seven were there were seven killed? Um, yeah, seven Israelis. No, no, no. Let me let me let me rephrase. There were seven hijackers killed. Okay. And there was forty five people killed. Okay. Um, there was two hundred and forty eight passengers on this plane. Um, the flight, which had originated in Tel Aviv, was heading to Paris. Had a stopover in Athens, and. The Ugandan government supported these hijackers. You know, you mentioned Idi Amin, Dada. very flamboyant. Idi Amin, Dada. Um, he had been informed from, of the hijacking from the very beginning, yeah. and he, he welcomed them to land there and to use their airport. After they moved all the hostages from the aircraft to, to a disused airport building, hijacker, the hijackers separated all the Israelis and the several non-Israeli Jews from the larger group and forced mm -hmm. them into separate rooms. Mm -hmm. Over the following two days, so it was, it was two days, 148 non-Israeli hostages were, le were released and flew out of Paris. 94 mainly Israeli passengers, along with a 12-member Air France crew, remained as hostages and were threatened with death. So, I mean, like, well, this know, was an attack the, against Jews, the, the, obviously. The, the the, why, why they hijacked the plane? The objective was to hold the hostages until Israel frees all Palestinian prisoners. Right. That's something that's been tried, uh, unfortunately, uh, quite a few times uh, uh, over the years. That was uh, that was one of the goals here. I did read an interesting thing. When the, when the troops, when the Israeli forces broke into where the hostages are, you know, they're, they're instructed to say certain words that will calm people down. So they should know. And one of the things they're instructed to say is, we come here, we came here to take you home. Yeah. The most that's that is the word people want to hear. People want to hear the word home. When they when when someone hears you're going home, no matter what the situation is, it calms them down. Yeah. And it relaxes them. And that's one of the things that they uh, Yeah. I think it's depicted like that in the movie and in the book about well, it. Well, you know, as well. it's a, July Fourth is is known for many things, but being that a day that this this incredible raid took place, you know, of the 106 hostages, 102 of them were rescued, three were three were killed. The final hostage mm -hmm. was a, was was in a hospital and was later killed. Five Israeli commanders were wounded, and we mentioned uh, Yonatan Netanyahu was killed. He's the younger brother, Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, all the hijackers and 45 Ugandan soldiers were killed. And 11 Soviet-built MIG-17s and MIG-21s of Uganda's Air Force were destroyed. MIGs. So Kenyan sources supported Israeli, and in the aftermath of the operation, Idi Amin issued orders to retaliate and kill Kenyans present in Uganda. As no. a result, 245 yeah. Kenyans in Uganda were killed and 3,000 fled the country. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah. a crazy That's a crazy story. And well, this actually took place. Talking about 1976. Yeah. You know, Who was president of the United States then? In 76, I guess, 76 was, uh, um, was uh, I guess... Uh, You're guessing? I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think... Uh, Siri, who was the president of the United States in 1976? It wasn't was, was, was Nixon. He was gone. He was gone. Gerald Ford. Uh, Gerald Ford, right. Gerald Ford. Well, he, he, he was the... He was Gerald Ford was the vice president for Nixon. And then and Nixon Watergate. resigned. Yeah. Nixon resigned. <laughs> Nixon resigned... But uh, but uh, Gerald Ford wasn't Nixon's vice president. Spiro Agnew was Nixon's vice president. But then Spiro Agnew got involved in some kind of corruption. <laughs> he had to resign. So can I ask Gerald a dumb Ford, question? Yeah, is 
is Gerald Ford from the Ford Company, the cars? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't think he is. You how know about, how about Whitey Ford? He used to pitch on the on the Yankees. How about Cliff Floyd? <laughs> That's huh? Floyd. Cliff Floyd. <laughs> Cliff Floyd used to play outfield for the Mets. I don't I don't know. Anyway, do, do you know do you know of any any Jew, do you know of any like from passengers that were on that flight in Antigua? Yes, yes, there are people around today that were on uh, on that flight as far as I know. Well, listen, I hope to interview one of the commandos. It was a 100 100 man unit and I want I hope to interview one of the commandos this week that was uh that was he, part he of that raid. From, he lives in Israel. He lives in Muncie. He lives in Muncie. Yeah. How do he end up in Muncie? And I guess it's one of the on things the I'll try to the find. The raid, he got on the wrong plane. I don't know. I don't know. He ended up in Newark. I'm not sure. And he came to live in Muncie. Yeah, that's interesting. Where'd yeah. you find him? Uh, my some, my, my mother-in-law told me about him. Is this guy living in Muncie. Or she met him in Evergreen or something? Maybe. Listen, the guy's got to get groceries. Listen, everyone's got to shop for Everyone's got to get groceries. That's right. So that's the great equalizer. Yeah. You, know, you got to do what you got to do. You got anything else before we wrap up? Um, no, let's see. Um, I told you about Jackie Mason. I told you about... Base uh, Jackie. That's that's cool. Base Jackie. That's, yeah, cool. that's, that's uh, good stuff. You know, he, he. It reminds he, me of the Brofman family a little bit. You know, you're mentioning it like, you know, Ben Brofman's the successful, yeah. uh, famed attorney, and his and his and his brother, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Brofman was was the Manal and YFR, and now they just have a new art school book about him. So you're saying, you know, Jackie and his brothers, all of his brothers have smicha, so. Yeah, it was maybe very, maybe very, the Brofmans uh, are the new yeah, Masons. By the way, uh, his real name wasn't Mason. What was it? Maza, M A Z A. Maza? That's the Maza family. Interesting. Okay. Okay. The Sardi? What? The Sardi? Well, they're not Sfardim. They're from, they're from Russia originally. Maza? My father was from Russia. And let me tell you something. That's not their name either then. What was their... <laughs> they, they didn't call them Maza. They called them Maza. Maza. Until, until last week when I started talking to them, to some of the family members, I thought it was M-A-Z-E-R. Then they told me it's M-A-Z-A. I think uh, that's because you you just say everything with the E-R. Like soda, you say soda. That's be, like soda? Yeah. Do you have any soda upstairs? We do, but, but why it's do you ice? why do you say soda? I don't. I don't say it. You said I said it. Do you you don't it. say soda? Uh, no, I say soda. Have you ever heard anybody soda. maybe senior say soda? No, I don't think you never heard anybody say soda. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's anything to do with age. If that's your your favorite place to go for some reason, <laughs> you know. Uh, okay. Did well, you have a nice time at. Uh, Kosher Palooza last week? Yeah, I mean, again, that's an old story. Kosher Palooza was nice. It was a last lot of... Wednesday. It wasn't even a week ago, right? Yeah, but things are happening every hour. So did you uh, did you post anything about it? Anyway? Yeah, it was, re- it was really, really nice. Status? Um, put it on status? Yeah, we had a bunch of statuses. I put Tefillin on, some, on, on somebody there. This oh, guy yeah? from Tel Aviv. Um, he, he's came in. He works you're, for some company. You were walking around with your Tefillin? No, but I met a, a couple of Chabad guys that their mission was to put Tefillin on people there. Uh-huh. Like, you're, there's a few thousand from Jews here. Who are you putting Tefillin on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this one guy, I went out, I went with him to one guy. He said, "Hey, you put on tefillin." He's like, "No," and he said he landed from Tel Aviv the day before, and he hadn't yeah, put on tefillin in a very long time. It was different than the old kosher fests uh, in in a way. No, don't you think? No, so? it was very nice. It was just like, it was just like a spread. Like everyone come and eat and try products and and have a good time. And it was it was really well done. Shlomi Klein, the Flashix team, Joel Wall. Yeah, they did a nice they good, job. They did a good solid job. Uh, and I hope to hope to see it again next very year. Very smart, very smart to just one day, one day, you know, from ten o'clock in the morning. To yeah, 6 yeah. You know, you, you get it done. You cover a lot of ground. It's really yeah. great. Okay, well, that's our episode of the Daily Thread to today. Back. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We hope to be back with another episode tomorrow. So stay tuned. And of course, if you want us to maybe play your message on this podcast, we have a new thing called Speakpipe. Well, we didn't start it. It, it exists. It's called Speakpipe. You can go to speakpipe.com. 
forward slash meaningful minute. And you can leave like a, a 90 second voice note saying, hey, uh, this and this story, I think that'd be really cool if you talk about it. And we'll play your voice note on the podcast. It could be a question, a comment, a concern. Um, but we hope to have a SpeakPipe segment of every single episode we do. So head to speakpipe.com forward slash meaningful minute. And of course, we want to give a big thank you to our friends at Sensible Marketing for making this podcast possible. Shimmy, Jeremy, Ron, the team from Sensible, they are experts in nursing home marketing, virtual tours, anything related to making your nursing home the place to be for their residents. You need to go to sensiblemarketing.com. Shimmy J, who's known all around the world for many things, uh, many positive things, and Sensible Marketing is one of them. So head to sensiblemarketing.com. And thank you so much for listening to The Daily Thread. Have a good day.